I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And we're inviting you to a lady date, a place to connect, speak openly, and learn from each other's experiences. Today's podcast is all about the power of negotiating and how that can benefit you. It's a little bit longer of an episode than what we typically do, but you should definitely stay tuned in for the whole time because there is so much good information here for you. Hi! (laughs) So today on Lady Date, we have a very exciting special guest, which is our first uh, guest appearance, and we are honored to have her here. We have Taylor Hesselgrave. Yes, you heard it. Another Hesselgrave on the podcast. So welcome, Taylor. Thank you. Thanks for being here. We're going to talk to you about salary and negotiating, and Taylor has a lot of uh, experience on the subject and uh, is going to share some tips and tricks with us, is going to share a lot of her experience. We're going to have a great conversation around it. But before we get started, we're going to do our classic icebreaker. Jess, do you want to tell us what it is? I do. Thanks, Sarah. Today's icebreaker is pretty cool, Uh, not only because we have a special guest who is my cousin, which is just as rad as can be, also because this episode is airing on Halloween. So we wanted to do something really unique. So we're going to do tarot card pull. Mm -hmm. And the way it'll work, uh, each of us has our own personal deck. And what we'll be able to do is kind of shuffle and um, pull a card for ourselves. And then we'll share what that card is. So I don't know if anybody was shuffling while I was talking. You might actually get some audio of me shuffling. (laughs) Really immersive experience. Been shuffling it for like 30 minutes, I feel like. (laughs) So Taylor, as our guest, would you like to go first or would you like to go last? Um, sure, I can go first. Thanks. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I feel very special, very special, special guest. This podcast is adorable and informative, and I've really enjoyed listening to the last few episodes. I'm so honored to be your first guest, so thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. you. All right, I have drawn five of cups. It doesn't look too hot, you know. With tarot, one of the first things you're supposed to do is uh, kind of take in the image on the card by itself and see how that makes you feel even well because I don't know what all the cards are so my first thought is hmm, I don't know about this <laughs> I'll describe it it's a person who is got a lot of empty looking cups strewn about them and is kind of cowered into themselves in a with a blanket wrapped around so let's see my little booklet says that it is upright it has loss, neglect, failure, and despair. And reversed has acceptance, forgiveness, and nostalgia. And I think I pulled it out sideways. So (laughs) it's a little bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) And that that makes a lot of sense to me, actually, especially in light of this podcast, because this topic is something I used to uh, give presentations with, with a friend of mine. And uh, we haven't been in touch since the pandemic. So Definitely resonant with the um, feeling a bit of loss, but also having to come with some acceptance with that. So stunning again, tarot, nailing it always. Always, always. <laughs> All right, Sarah, do you want to go next? Yes, I pulled, sorry, I, was, I already pulled it. I pulled the Ace of Cups 
And so this deck I haven't worked with quite as much, so I don't know. Sometimes it uses like different terms and the cards are like very abstract, I think. So this one, it looks like a, I don't know, like a lotus flower or like some kind of like water flower maybe. And it looks, I don't know, hopeful, but simple. I don't know. I feel like cups are always, aren't those always really emotional? Like it's very like, yeah. I actually just looked it up and it's artistic, open-minded, quiet. A family of dreamers is the Cups family. Mm. Dreamers. Hmm. Okay. I like that. And then uh, let's see. Ace of Cups in my book says, the Ace of Cups is a beautiful card of feelings and emotions, love and newness. It is the idyllic springtime of the tarot, a time for wonderful beginnings, the sort of beginnings that swell your spirit with inspiration and anticipation for all the additional magic soon to come from them. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It says, I'm dazzled by the sheer potential of something new. And I moved into a new apartment and started a new job. So that feels very um, on point for me. So I love that. Yeah. Um, so oddly enough, I also pulled a cup. <laughs> and yeah. So I pulled mine and it actually um, was upside down. So the seven of cups is not the most welcome card. It indicates you'll face temptation in many aspects of your life. Whether it's cheating for pleasure or for money, you'll soon realize you've been building a house of cards. But since I pulled it reverse, reverse I don't have a description for what that means um, in my particular book. And so I'm just going to kind of go off of like the opposite of that. <laughs> uh, my little book is um, very little. And so it just has a upright and reverse section for each card. So it says for seven of cups, upright, illusion, imagination, unrealistic desires, possibility. In reverse, it says temptation, indecision, insecurity, overwhelm. That is super uh, accurate <laughs> with what my current life situation is. So I... I'm having my last day of work tomorrow. So by the time this episode airs, I'll have been in a new position. But I have been feeling all kinds of mixed emotions about leaving my current role and just that transition and change and feeling overwhelmed and uncertain. And of course, now feeling like some a little bit of regret for leaving. And um, so I've been processing through a lot of that emotion. And so tarot strikes again. Wow. A lot of cups. I'm surprised. Um, yeah. a, uh, money talk moment that we might uh, drop oh. pentacles. But, uh, right? but I mean, that the cups works because talking about money can be very emotional and negotiation brings up a lot of emotions too. And I think that's a great point. I do feel like the conversation around money is something that we've often been told not to have with each other. And as a young professional, I kind of adopted that and said, okay, you don't talk about salary. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I started having more open conversations. And I would say that Sarah is a person that I would have those conversations with a lot and kind of helped me get more comfortable with that idea because Sarah and I used to work together. And so we were working, you know, from the same company kind of being like, well, what are you getting? And, and that started opening up a lot of conversations with other individuals. And then as both Sarah and I moved on to new positions, that even created more of an opportunity for us to start talking about salary and how to negotiate and do you negotiate and what is 
it even mean to negotiate salary? And that's been a big jump off point for me personally in now having that conversation with so many more people and being a lot more open and honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't growing up, I don't think we anyone talked about money. I think that maybe working like hourly jobs in like high school, early college, maybe we talked about that kind of stuff. But it was always surrounded around around like, I don't know, college and, and wage, but like talking salary and what you should make and negotiations like that was not something I grew up hearing about. I didn't hear from my like parents about that kind of stuff. And then in the professional world, I feel like there was a little bit of shame tied around it. And I just you talking about that actually just reminded me of a moment when we worked together and I was newer than you were, and I was an hourly employee, and I was the only hourly employee. And I made some comment. I was like, oh, yeah, Jess, we have to remember to, like, submit our time cards or something. And you had to be like, oh, uh, I'm, like, salaried. And I was like, oh, right, totally. Like, yeah, for sure. Who has time cards? That's cool. yeah. And I remember feeling, like, embarrassed because I had assumed that everyone else was hourly or, or whatever. It was on the same page as I was, um, which is totally fine. But that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned that or I shouldn't talk about it was very interwoven in, in my professional world when it came to salary, um, especially. So Yeah, I so. think it's also very much a cultural thing. And, I mean, an intergenerational thing as well. Like, my parents would never tell me how much money they were or weren't making it was definitely a that's a rude question there's definitely a cultural taboo here in the states at least that that is not something that respectful polite people talk about but the real question is who does that benefit that doesn't that only benefits the employers and the companies if people aren't talking to each other then they can have private agreements private deals with each of us then you have like major pay inequities across employees i mean the wage gap is a real thing and that's part of it is when we don't talk we don't have knowledge we don't have information and we aren't able to make the best financial decisions for ourselves such a good point it is it's about being informed it's about being empowered and it's about not only helping yourself but helping those around you because you know having that conversation with other females is really important but it's also valuable to have this conversation with anyone in your life, regardless, because you just don't know how others are feeling about it. And if their mind, what they've been fed has been, oh, yeah, what you're getting is like the highest that you'll ever get for that position. And then they start talking to someone else thinking, okay, well, this is the highest I can get. And it's like, oh, no, no, (laughs) you should be shooting higher. Somebody was just trying to like make their offer look really good to you. Yeah, totally. And I think that the rudeness, I wonder if the rudeness is tied to bragging about money or something. Because I mean, that still is a thing. If someone's bragging about how much they're making and talking about bonuses and all of that stuff, like that's not a constructive conversation necessarily. But I I feel like there's a line somewhere in there where it's, it's helpful to talk about how much you make or how you got to that point or what that conversation was like and not being like, oh, I made. $500,000 on my last bonus. Well, you know, like that's not. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And people who who are making more money, who do feel successful, who are happy with what they're getting paid, there's even more reason for them to talk about that with others. For example, like men and white people tend to make the most amount of money. And if they are willing to share that kind of information, it can be so empowering for women and people of color to say, hold on a second, if he's making this amount, like I could too, I'm doing the same job and people might get mad, but they won't get mad at you. They'll get mad at the company, but they'll get mad at the ones who are paying unfairly. 
So that as an ally, it's actually a really uh, powerful and supportive thing you can do to share your salary with people in your peers and people who want to get to where you are. Such a great point. Do we want to get into what we have planned for today? I feel like I'm so excited because I get to kind of be a spectator. Sure. I mean, would it be helpful for me to give a little bit of background about why I'm here? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe that. You know, eh, sure. <laughs> like what knowledge does this person have? So, yeah. Uh, my name's Taylor, first and foremost, I'm Jess's cousin, same last name, and I'm a software engineer in San Francisco right now, but I didn't start that way. I started as a, a an analyst at a nonprofit in Portland, Oregon, and my very first job, I remember, it was right after 2009, and I had a, it took me a really long time to find the job, and it was a very, like, niche job at this nonprofit, and so I felt so lucky to even be sitting there at the table, like, getting an offer from them that I did not negotiate. They asked me, you know, hey, this is the salary. It was uh, $43,000. They're like, this is the salary, $43,000. What do you think about that? And I, I literally said, oh, well, this is my first salaried job and um, you're the expert. So I trust you to be fair. That sounds good to me. Like the, the worst possible thing to say. <laughs> I was very earnest, right? Um, I was very excited. Um, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to sign, sign me up, you know? And so I did, but I stayed there five years and every single time that we talked about a raise, you know, I was still pegged to that initial $43,000. It's always based off of that. If I had been able to start a little higher, you know, I could have been talking about even bigger percentages moving forward. So after that, I actually did a total career pivot, right, to get into software engineering, moved down to San Francisco, attended a coding boot camp and one of the sessions in our boot camp was a negotiation session. And there at the presentation, the presenter told us that men are 40% more likely to negotiate their offer than women are. And hearing about that, plus also getting more informed about the wage pay gap and everything just really made me mad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought, I'm what? I, I don't want to be in that statistic. Like, I want to negotiate. I'm going to ask, even though this will be my first software engineering job ever, I'm going to try it. So I got offered by the end of that bootcamp, my first engineering job. And um, the offer was uh, $110,000. Now that's a quite a jump from my nonprofit salary, right? It was like double. Um, that was clearly the most money I've ever made. And I don't think in my life, I even thought I was going to make over 100k, right? I just never thought about it. So while I was extremely excited and happy with the offer, I remember my promise to myself to try to negotiate and I asked, and here I am, like fresh coding bootcamp grad, no experience. Like they're taking a big risk hiring me, and I'm saying, can you pay me more money, please? <laughs> um, obviously, awesome. I didn't Good say it like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know what they said? No, they said no. This is the rate, and if you don't want to take it, like we're going to offer the job to one of your classmates. So forced competition. And also they put a, um, like a ticking clock on the offer. They said I needed to, what's that called? Oh, an exploding offer. I needed to decide by the end of the week or it'd be gone. So um, I asked again if there was any other flexibility, if I could get more options. And they did offer me an additional 1,000 options, which is like a tech thing that turned out to be useless, but I felt that I like really, you know, got something there. And they also 
uh, offered me a $3,000 signing bonus. So I got something. Nice. And I felt like, wow, that was successful. I felt really emboldened by that. And so by the time I was going on for my second job interview in tech, I was so ready to really make an ask. And I knew I had more experience this time, like more leverage. And I talked with a friend of mine who was in the same position. And she and I, like you were saying, between you and Jess and Sarah, like talking to each other and really establishing like a culture of sharing and benchmarking with each other. Like this company offered me that, that company offered her this. We are able to kind of get a better read on the market by sharing that kind of information and knowing what was an actually good offer. And we practiced with each other and we really got prepared. So that time I was offered $145,000 and I asked for an additional $15,000 and got it. So that, that would be my experience. <laughs> That we were talking about. And I would say even I have more room to grow because they gave me what I asked for. Next time, my goal is to ask for more and get a no, find where the no is, and then meet them down there. So that's where, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm on here. And, and also um, my friend and I that I mentioned, we uh, started a little presentation that we went and, and returned to the coding boot camps and started giving a presentation on how to negotiate. And I just, I love doing it. I love talking to women about negotiating. I love talking to women about making more money money. I love women making more money and the waterfall effect that that has is they tell their friends, tell their family and everyone goes, oh, she could do it. I can do it. Tell me that tip again. What was that line? Like, this is something that everyone can do and and should be doing. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Love it. It's awesome. We're so excited to learn more from you. Just even based on your own experience, I think that that's really inspiring. That already in my mind is like clicking into place of like, Heck yeah, I'm going to make that commitment to myself that next time I'm going in and I'm going to have some cool tips and some good lines to go in with. Yes, so yeah. helpful. Maybe I'll practice beforehand. Yep. <laughs> that is honestly a huge takeaway yes. from what you just shared was like, okay, it's great that you can talk to people about it, but that element of practicing to take away the kind of intimidation of it or the vulnerability of having to ask for more money when you might be a little bit uncomfortable with it. Practice. Yeah. Why not? That's what I that's what I would advocate the most is practice. Like, of course, you have to do your research, but you you also need to practice. This is not a conversation that you have very often. In fact, it's probably very infrequently, right, that you're changing jobs, you're talking about accepting an offer. So yeah, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward. But you know, the people you're talking to, this is their everyday job. They're professionals, especially when you're talking to hiring managers and recruiters. Like, this is what they do. So they're going to be super comfortable. They have all the leverage there. They have all the data. Like, you, it's well, well, well worth your time to do your research and role play and practice and feel prepared. Shall we get into role playing? I'm so excited. <laughs> so nervous, but it's okay. <laughs> yes. I'm ready. Okay. So we thought we would do a little role play first before we um, got into any of the content. Um, we have not done this before, so we don't know what's going to happen. Nope. <laughs> I'm going in cold and we'll see my honest <laughs> reaction and how I handle negotiations. So yeah, and you might you might be great. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Um but yes, I'm gonna pretend to be the company and Sarah will be the candidate. Ring ring ring. Hello, this is Sarah. Hey Sarah, this is Taylor at Super Awesome Company. How are you doing? Hey Taylor, it's so good to hear from you. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm really excited to be calling you right now. Uh, thank you so much for coming in to interview. I have great news. The team loved you and we would love to give you an offer. That's awesome to hear. I love the team too. Excellent. Okay. 
So we don't like to do a lot of back and forth. Uh, we like to really come in with a strong number. And I really want to make sure that's something that you're going to be happy with. So um, what what number would make you happy here, Sarah? Um, you know, I was looking for uh, the salary of 100000 a year. And then I like working with some kind of uh, merit-based bonus as well. So if that's something you guys do, um, I would like that. Okay, excellent. Um, we do. We do do that. We have this very extensive end-of-year review process um, where, like, typically you can get around, like, 20% of your salary as a bonus if you have good scores. So does that sound good to you? Do, is the review process cool? Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Great. Well, that sounds great. Um, I am very happy to tell you that we can come in at exactly what you're asking for. So $100,000 is perfect. That's like a really strong number. And it's kind of one of the highest ones that we offer in this position here. So um, I know the team loved you and they'll think you're worth it. Can I go ahead and send you over that paperwork? Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to review that. All right, cool. I'll send it right now. Do you think you can uh, get it signed and back to me by t this evening? Uh, yeah, I'll do my best. Yep. Okay. Thanks so much, Sarah. Congratulations. Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm terrible. <laughs> uh, how was that? What What makes you think it didn't go well? <laughs> well, first of all, I've literally been through that experience, so yep, I know that I. <laughs> I know that um, if they're like, yeah, that's great. That's perfect. I probably didn't ask for enough. And I have never been in the position where usually it's like um, they'll ask me for like a range and I'll give them like a number. I don't I don't usually give ranges. I don't really like that. And then usually I'm aiming like kind of high for what I want, hoping that they'll come low. Right. And so if it's like just right off right off on the phone, they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. And we're going to send it to you now and you're going to give it to me right now. And that's it. It's too easy. So what did I do wrong, Taylor? Well, there were a couple things. I mean, off the bat, it doesn't sound doesn't sound bad, right? Like you made the ask for what you wanted, you got what you wanted, and you got the job. The team's excited to have you. You like the team. You got your number. But exactly, exactly what you said. It was too easy. You didn't know what the range was for the position. You gave your number right away. That was probably the first thing off. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that that sucks though, right? Because it's it sounds like a completely reasonable question for them to ask you. What are you expecting? What's your target salary? How can we make you happy? You know, they really are going to ask you that and it will feel like you can and should answer that. But honestly, you should not because exactly what will happen. You won't know what what the range is they're working with and you may very well completely undercut yourself. So, yeah, and then once you've once you've made that ask and they come in at it, you don't have any more room, right? You can't say, "Well, actually, wait, wait, that felt too easy. Can can I have more, please?" Right. <laughs> so, that's why my number 1 tip I guess number two tip, number one tip is role play, right? Number two tip is do not give a number. And this is the thing you need to know early on as possible, because especially in my industry in software, they will ask you that before you've even gone to the interview sometimes. And you're like, oh, I'm not even, well, I mean, I guess 
this could be my number. And you know, you, you just might have totally undercut yourself. So number two tip is never, never give a number unless you are very, very confident about what that number is and that it's very high. Oh man, I'm like writing notes already. <laughs> so there's so many different ways that they can try and get a number from you too. Like it will often sound like, what is your minimum salary requirement? Or can you tell me about your compensation expectations? Um, or like I did um, in the role play, right? We don't, we don't like to negotiate. We want to give a strong number first. So we want to make sure we got something that will make you happy. Or I'm sure you have a number you're aiming for. Can you at least share your target range with us? <laughs> Is there a number you wouldn't consider going below? And like every time you don't answer the question, you might get another one in another format like that. And it, it can, it gets tiresome and it gets hard, but do not budge, like do not give a number. Let me give you a few tips and tricks on how to get out of that question. So first, first strategy would be to just delay the conversation, delay it as much as possible. Just say, oh, um, thank you for asking right now. I'm focused on finding the right role with the right fit. Um, I'd love to discuss compensation once we're both sure that the role is a good fit for us. So just push it off. Or you can turn it on them and say, oh, well, yeah, compensation is really wide ranging and has many components. Would you help me understand how your company values your employees? You can play dumb. You can say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about that yet. I haven't done my research yet about market rate. Can you tell me what is the rates and the range that you're targeting for this position? And honestly, in some states, if you ask that, they are required to tell you. So oh, interesting. And in other states too, you are it, they are not allowed to ask you what your previous salary was. So this is part of the do your research step is figure out what the laws are in your state. Is it illegal for them to ask you what you are currently making or what you've previously made? Are they legally required to give you the compensation if asked? You know, these are good things to know. Yeah. Uh, and then if it if it gets really uncomfortable and you just like feel like you have to say something. Really try not to, because I know even for myself, when I'm about to say one thing, I get nervous and then I just immediately like lower what I was going to say and put it down. So you can practice giving like a really wide range, say, you know, for my case in software, based on my understanding of the market, entry level engineers are currently getting a base salary ranging from 90 to $150,000. I'd love to discuss this more once I better understand the role. That's a crazy range, right? That's not much. Pretty, like it's pretty extensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they can't really like pin you on that one. So yeah, delay it, play dumb, turn it back on them. Pick, pick the one that feels right for you that, and practice it. Try it out. See, see which one is easier to say when you're under pressure. So don't give the number and then you can go ahead and finish your interview without worrying about that. Put that off. Like really, truly focus on finding the right role and the right fit, right? And while you're job searching and job hunting, it's a good idea to do your research. Like you will want to be prepared with data of the market as best you can. Well, again, like the companies are in a much better position than you. They have like professional level access to current market rates, things that you're not going to have. Uh, but you can, you know, you can do your best, like go to the salary websites, right? Glassdoor, PESA salary, do your research, find out what's kind of normal for your position, your experience, your location, know, know the data, but also consider like we were talking about earlier today, talking with your peers, talking with your colleagues, talking with people uh, in your network that work at different companies, but in similar industries, talk with people you went to school with that are now in a similar place in their careers, like talk to people and find out what are their recent experiences. 
have, find a way to have that awkward but very powerful salary conversation. Establish a culture of sharing that can be so empowering and often like more real-time data than a lot of the uh, websites that are all uh, generalized average or maybe not specific enough for your particular career. So yeah, talking to each other is like probably the best, the best, most powerful way to get real numbers. I mean, you two have have experienced that, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, firsthand experience with that. I think when I got my most recent offer, I think I texted Sarah immediately and was like, okay, Sarah, um, here's what the offer is. Can we talk about this? What do you think this means? What do you, what do you think about this? And it was, I think you were one of the first people I texted about it. <laughs> and then we talked about it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like I try to have those conversations with as many people as I can. But yeah, Jess, you have been like the first person that I really practice that with. And I, I think it gets more comfortable as you practice, as you try, as you do it with other people. And I think it also becomes more comfortable as you are more accepting of just being vulnerable with your own salary, because it's never okay to be like, so how much do you make? <laughs> but like, I'm always like, you know, this is how this went down, or like, this is what I made in my last job. And I doubled my salary here, whatever, you know, like, I'm, I'm pretty open about it, because I feel like it encourages people who are comfortable with it to share it back. So that's what's worked for me to kind of get around that awkwardness. But yeah, it's only yeah. benefited me. And I feel like it brings a lot of benefit to other people who kind of like level set where I think I'm at, um, if I'm too high or too low. Yeah, I have three main reasons to negotiate. They are because feminism, uh, because your bank account, and because your future career. So like, Starting starting with feminism, the wage pay gap is really real. Women make on average uh, 80 cents to the dollar that a white man makes. And for women of color, it's even less. And that is so unacceptable. Like the wage pay gap, about half of it can be explained by sex segregation. So that's like women choosing to go into industries that are uh, not paid as well. So that's a whole other feminist topic. Like why aren't caregivers and teachers paid more? <laughs> But another half of it, within like the totally same industries, like same positions, same experience levels, same everything is 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 not explainable, is not measurable, which therefore leads it to say that's discrimination. And that's that's enraging and that is so unacceptable. So I know that sometimes we as women and people in general can have a hard time advocating for themselves, saying, Oh well, what, you know, I don't know if I really need to ask for more. That's enough for me. So if you are one of those people, although to note, self-advocating is never wrong. <laughs> it's always appropriate. But if it helps you think like, okay, I don't want to be a statistic in the pay gap. Like, I don't want to be adding my salary, adding to that. Like, I want to be making sure that I'm doing everything I can to be getting paid what I'm worth. Um, same as what a white man would be getting paid for this job. I'm going to do what I can to ask for more. So yeah, get angry. Use that anger. Use that like advocating for others and yourself um, as justification. That's as motivation. It's really okay. And it's really important that you negotiate. The other reason, right? Your bank account, that's a pretty obvious one. More money, right? Heck yeah. <laughs> more money. <laughs> so can I give you a little mathematical example? Yes. Okay, it's pretty basic, but because it's simple, I think it makes quite an impact. So say that you're um, 30 years old and you're about to accept a job offer. And this is a job for the 
sake of simplicity here, you're going to stay at this job for the rest of your life. You're never going to get in and negotiate for another job. Um, you're not going to get any promotions, but you will get a little 3% raise on your base salary every year just for cost of living, right? Inflation for the rest of your career for until you retire. So you accept this job and say that you negotiate just at the very acceptance for a $5,000 increase on your salary of say $100,000. By the time you retire, that 3% on that base amount compounding year after year after year, that adds up to $300,000. So that's one time, one 10 minute conversation you had where you said, oh, can you pay me an extra $5,000 please? And you got it, you get $300,000 extra dollars by the end of your life. So it's not just the, oh, it was just $5,000. Like mm -hmm. it adds up. And if you had, that doesn't even get into like, if you had invested that in the market and that market did its average thing, that's an extra 50K. So every time that you have an opportunity to negotiate and you don't, you are just like totally missing out on this opportunity. Oh, wow. Incredible. But fortunately, right. If um, we do change jobs, we do ask for promotions. We do ask for raises. So like if you have had an, an experience, you know, like many of us have had, and like I was talking about for myself at the beginning, we're like, oh, whatever you want to pay me sounds great. You're not screwed. You can negotiate. You get more chances. And that's another reason to negotiate for your career. Like you are always going to have to be advocating for yourself, whether that's accepting a new job, whether that's asking to be on a higher visibility project, whether that's asking for skills training, whether that's talking about your promotion. Like there are many, many professional career moments where negotiating will really serve you well. And every time that you do it, you get better at it. Even if you don't get what you ask for, you get more confident in making the ask. You get more experience in making that ask. And you find ways that work for you, that feel good, that start giving you results. So every single chance you get to practice by actually doing it, do it, take it, try it out. And the fact that you ask is success by itself, just even for that reason alone. Yeah. Awesome advice. Wow. Yeah. I'm just going through like thinking about all of the times when you don't negotiate and how that really just impacts your, like if you were to put yourself on a graph and just kind of like year after year, like how incremental those changes are going to be just because of that conversation at the beginning and not advocating for yourself. And I fully agree. Like you are responsible for yourself. You are going to be the one that advocates for yourself. You can't depend on others to do it for you. You can't depend on others to see all the great work you're doing and magically reward you. It Amen. is a matter of, Hey, I busted my butt on this project and I was able to get this much growth and revenue or, you know, whatever it might be. Here's the result of what I was able to create. This is the timeline I was able to, you know, finish that project in. It saved us this yeah. much money. You have to be responsible and the one to show that and bring that to the table and then see what happens. See how those chips lay. Why? I don't know. Whatever that term is. Um, what the saying is where you kind of are able to present it to them. you bring them a fully baked idea and um, presentation on what you've contributed and what you've done. And it's up to them then after you put it all out there and say, this is what I want. I'm, you know, advocating for promotion. I'm advocating to be a lead to however that like manifests. Yeah. And then if they're able to deliver on it, great. If not, I mean, for me personally, when those types of things happen, and if it is not received, 
that is one of the things in my mind when if a job is no longer meeting certain things for me, okay, it's time for me to kind of reevaluate and kind of yeah. reassess what I'm doing here. Totally. And I think we all need those kind of like checklist items for ourselves. Yeah, I so agree with you. I, I always just want to make sure that I've given myself the best shot. Like exactly what you said, you, you advocate for yourself. You give them all the information they need to make the decision that you want, right? And it's, yeah, it's up to them to ultimately make it. But I want to know that I personally have done everything I could do for me to get me there and not make any assumptions that they're, they're going to just do that for me by themselves, or they're going to already know that. And then like you said, too, over time, right, if you are asking for a raise at work or a promotion a few times and not getting it, yeah, maybe it's time to move on. And or maybe that's a great time to take these conversations to the hire manager and say, look, I've been talking about this with my manager for the last year. And these are the things we talked about. These these are the bullet points I gave them to advocate for me. And I don't think that they are. Or in case of manager like transfers, you have to start over with a new manager. You can just pick up those notes and say, here's what I was talking about with my last manager. And here's the like history and the track record. And that has worked for me to get a promotion, you know, at the end of the year when I didn't get it and I was expecting it. And then I just immediately took those notes of my prior meetings about that topic to my new manager and said, hey, this is what I was expecting and why I had reason to expect it. And then I was given the promotion just based on that alone. So yes, always be advocating for yourself. So can I share some uh, good lines with you? So first, First things first, right? You've already done your research. You kind of know what the range is. You want to have a range in mind, although you will not have given that range, right? You will not have right. told them. <laughs> That's your secret information. <laughs> and you'll, you will have done what you could to talk to the recruit, recruiter or hiring manager about, you know, what are the elements of compensation that are standard for this company, for your industry, so you can know what you are going to want to ask for. Because there's a lot of um, elements of compensation as well, by the way, that are not your base salary, that are not a signing bonus or even stocker options. Like there are other things that you can negotiate as well, like in talking about personal time off, how much vacation days, some your start date, right, is negotiable. If you've got some prearranged trip or you just want to take more time off, uh, working from home, flexible schedules, what is a training allowance or a training budget, daycare reimbursements, commuting reimbursements, like education bonuses. And and then there's even some uh, trickier things like a shorter review time. So if, if the, this might be if you're coming in at a title that you don't quite like or a range that you don't quite like, they say, oh, our ranges are really you know, strict and the team really thinks you fit in this range and you don't quite like it, but you want to get your foot in the door, you can talk about like, oh, well, can I get a shorter review time to reassess that then instead of within one year? How about in six months? How about in three? The job title, uh, moving allowance, phone stipends, like there's so many, so many things that are potentially on the table. So it's really important to uh, know what's standard for your industry, what's like potentially on the table and what fits your lifestyle and what what's really actually important to you. So have that have that stuff ready. And then when they are ready to make you an offer, you've interviewed, they love you, you love them, it's a good fit. And honestly, even if it's not a good fit and you already know it, let them make you the offer. Because first of all, that's really good data for you. You're gonna like get an immediate like read of the market of what this employer is ready to offer. And if you're talking with other employers, it'll give you a good like, oh well relative to this company and that company you can start understanding 
the differences in your offers. So even if you know that you don't want to work there, I would encourage you to see it through to the end, to the point where they give you an offer at least. And hopefully best of best case scenarios, you've got like two or three even competing offers that are coming in at the right time that you've timed your interview so that they're, they're all aligned and you can play them off each other. That's, that's more advanced though. <laughs> But um, that's a follow-up episode. Don't deny, yeah, don't deny an offer. So yes, response to the first phone call. They called you. It's like our role play situation, right? They say, "Oh, Sarah, I'm so excited to give you this offer." There's there's three things you need to do. You're gonna say thank you. Um, you're gonna express enthusiasm about the opportunity, but not the offer. The opportunity. And you're going to ask for more time to respond. You are not going to give them a yes or no on that first call. So you'll say like, thank you so much for the offer. I, I really enjoyed interviewing at the company. They might even say, what do you think of the offer? You can go straight into your enthusiasm about the company, the team. Oh, I loved interviewing at the company and meeting the team. I think I'd be a great fit for the role. Very excited for this opportunity. Uh, I do need to wrap up a couple other interviews. I mean, only say that if it's true, right? If you don't have other interviews, you can just say, this is a really big decision and uh, I need some time to think about it and discuss with my family or discuss with my partner. Can I get back to you uh, in a week or two? You know, ask for time. And the time is important too, because if you are talking with other companies, you have time to try and get them lined up. But even if you're not, it's just, it's a really big decision. You need some time to think about it. You need some time to really think about, okay, what would make me happy here? What am I going to ask for? Even though you're, you know, you've done your research and you kind of have an idea. You do not need to respond on the first phone call. Okay. So then you hang up that phone and then you go celebrate. You know, you don't celebrate with the recruiter, hiring manager on the phone. You don't go, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This is the best offer I've ever gotten. <laughs> I've never made this much money. This is so great. Save that for your friends. It's <laughs> yeah. an important um, distinction because you've just given power to the end of like to the company, right? Like now they're like, okay, great. They want this offer. They think it's wonderful. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and the company, like, I know that a lot of people have fear that if they don't accept right away. Or that if they do come back and make an ask, that that company is going to take away the offer. That's really unlikely. That's highly, highly unlikely. Um, it's it's really uh, rude, <laughs> professionally rude to do that for the company. Like they would get a bad reputation and it's just very unlikely. I have heard of it happening once, but it was shocking, stunning, like within my network, everyone told each other, don't go work at that company. You know, it's it already means that that's not somewhere that's going to be valuing you and working with you and like, you know, allowing a conversation back and forth. So it's a really bad sign. It probably won't happen. And if it does, like bullet dodge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And also they want you to sign. Like by the time that they have come to giving you an offer, they've already invested so much time of their employees, like interviewing you, interviewing other candidates, finding, finding you. And now that they found you and they actually got everyone on board, to say, yes, let's hire this person, which takes such a long time. Now that I've been on the other side of the interviewing table, it can be so frustrating. <laughs> Once they want you, like they want you, you have leverage and um, they they don't want you to say no. Like, And they are expecting you to negotiate. They do this all the time. This is totally run of the mill for them. They're expecting the conversation um, and they, they want you to sign. 
So you do have a lot of leverage. That's good to know. So I would recommend at this point that you put together like a tiered list of the things you want. So I would, for, for instance, I would say, well, I really want this salary and this much stock. That's the most important thing to me is I just want as much money as I can possibly get from them. And that's what I'm going to ask for. Now that you know their number, right, you can you can gauge it on that. You can go above that by whatever percent or whatever amount, or you've done your research, you talk to your friends, you know it's reasonable. And then you have some backup plan tiers. So like, okay, if they can't give me this, then I want to ask for a signing bonus and like phone plan reimbursement. And if they can't give me that, then I want to ask for like, have some tiers, some levels of the things you want to ask for. Because when you're actually negotiating with them, Every single time they say no to an ask that you make is licensed for you to ask for something else. So like in the conversation we had with Sarah, right? She made her ask. She said, I want a hundred thousand for my base salary. And the company said, okay, great. Got it. And then that really hard to make another ask on top of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause but, you just had it accepted immediately. Right. So you have to be prepared to make your big ask, like ask for all the things you want first. And then they're going to, you want to find that no, right? You want to find a little bit of a no. And then they'll say, oh, I can't quite do that, but I could do this. And you say, well, that might work. But then could you also do this? You know, like you can work off this tiered list um, and feel licensed, you know, permission to ask for something more when you get a no. Um, so, yeah, kind of have that little tiered list ready and then practice, practice so much. Call your friend and say, hey, can you really help me? I want you to just say no to me a million times and so that I can practice making the ask, so that I can just practice going through my whole tier. Tell me no at each turn so that I can feel how awkward that makes me feel on the phone or, you know, the phone. Maybe you're just next to each other pretending to be on the phone or be on the phone. But just practice saying those lines, making those asks, practice dealing with the awkward moments, practice dealing with the tension. Because it will be awkward and it will be tense. But again, it's only going to be like, you know, a very short conversation that's potentially worth thousands of dollars more. So it's worth it. Yeah. What is it about no that makes us so uncomfortable? Like, Projection. I'm just even thinking about having somebody say no and I'd be like, yep, okay, great. Um, thank you so much. And like, now I'm thanking them for saying no to me. <laughs> or apologizing. Yes, so practice that. Yeah. Practice that. And it, and a really hard one to do when you get a no is to be silent. If they say, you know, no, we can't do that. And if you are just like, oh, <laughs> then they will feel awkward too. And they might come in and say, but here's what we can do. Or, or would this work instead? But that's, that's really hard. So you got to practice it. But yeah, there's some, some tips for when it's, uh, when it's tense, when it's awkward, you always go back to that enthusiasm. Next to your list of like tiered things you want to ask for, have another little bullet point section of enthusiastic lines for when it gets awkward and tense <laughs> to relieve the tension. And these need to be really specific. They need to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just such a big fan of this company. I studied your business plans when I was in school and I always uh, imagined myself working. Or like have some very specific enthusiastic things because it can start to feel you're like, oh, my God, am I asking for too much? Is this weird? And then you can just say, well, but hey, remember, <laughs> we're all on the same page. You want me? I want to be there, too. Like, I'm really excited about this, too. I really I hope we can find a way to make this work. Holy cow. There are so many tips in here. 
It's so valuable. That is also why I recommend having this conversation on the phone versus don't do a video call. (laughs) That's so, that's just way too much. Now we're in Zoom days. I don't know if anyone would ask for that, but I would respectfully decline. Just ask for a normal phone call. And then on to the other side of that, email is too slow. It's too slow. You don't get a read on like, oh, is that something they easily said yes to? Or the was that a hard yet? Like you can't figure out kind of the pace or the vibe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll just be, it's excruciating to like keep refreshing your email to see if they replied yet, you know? So don't put yourself through that. Taylor, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Gosh, I don't think so. I just tried to say all of it, all the things. So thanks for <laughs> letting me just talk a lot about it. Yeah. That was wonderful. And is there like, are you comfortable with letting people reach out to you if they want to? Is there like a the best place to find you? Yeah, probably the best place to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. I believe I am a shared contact of Jess, right? Yeah. And I should be with Sarah soon if I'm not already. So you can either find me that way or just Googling through LinkedIn, Taylor Hesselgrave. And if you send me a little message and reference the podcast here, I would be really more than happy to give your, give your listeners like an hour of personalized consultation or personalized role play back and forth. Yeah. That's very generous yeah. of you. <laughs> well, I mean it. I mean it about I love doing this. I love getting uh, more women, more money. Heck yeah. We are so grateful that you joined us, Taylor. Thank you so much for your time and for all of the insight and just knowledge that you provided. I think this is going to be life changing for a lot of individuals. I know it is going to be for me personally. And heck, I can't wait to to have the opportunity to negotiate something now that I feel a lot more prepared and a lot more empowered. Good. I love hearing that because it is scary. And so I'm glad to hear, you know, after all this, oh, I'm excited. I want to do it now. (laughs) Let me at it. Yeah, I started keeping track. um, And I coached about five people. And cumulatively, the extra gains from what everyone asked for, um, turned out to be so far $75,000. So looking forward to continuing to up that. So yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. And then hopefully we'll be able to add our, um, like our gains to that number as well. (laughs) I love, I love hearing about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun and really great to get back into talking about this. And, um, yeah, the podcast is, is awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited about stickers. I'm getting some stickers. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll be sending some your way. Cool. All right. Bye. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. We had a real jam-packed episode. Uh Thank you so much to Taylor for joining us and sharing so much content with us. I hope you guys re-listen to this episode because we know we will be, we were taking notes during it. I'm sure I'll listen to it every time I go to negotiate anything ever. If I go to the butcher, I'm probably going to listen to this episode. Um, So if you are interested in following up with Taylor and having her potentially coach you through negotiation role play, please take her up on that. You can find her on LinkedIn. Um, Her name is Taylor Hasselgrave. You can find her through our shared contacts as well, through Jess or I. Um, And again, if you like what you hear here on Lady Date Podcast, please make sure you're following us on Instagram uh, and
and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We plan to keep doing this and providing you guys with our experiences and the experiences of others. We really enjoy it. Um, And remember that we also have a Patreon. So if you'd like to support us in that way, we have some fun little items on there, including a shout out package or our fun new stickers. You may have seen our contest on Instagram. So uh, go take a look and we appreciate all of your support. And thank you so much for listening. 